Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Buenos días. Good morning. ¿Cómo están todos? Bienvenidos. Bonjour. 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 ¿Cómo están todos? Bienvenidos a Bonjour, los brasileños. Bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour Podcast. Les saluda Edgar, fundador de Clica. Silvia Salazar, fundadora de Tono Latino. Es noviembre 15 y estamos ya casi cerrando el año. Muy, muy contentos que este es el episodio 92, ininterrumpido. Acercándonos al episodio 100, cumpliendo dos años, ¿no? Ya, en, en un par de, en, un, en unas cuantas semanas estaremos celebrando sí. año nuevo y episodio 100. Pero hoy tenemos a Melissa Lorenzo Hervé. Hoy lo vamos a hacer en Spanglish, English, Spanish, un poquito sí. de, de ambos. Little mix. Fundadora de Pure Red NYC. ¿Cómo estás, Melissa? Buenos días. Muy bien, gracias. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. I know it's been a while, you know, we've been trying to reach you and, and wow, you, we, we, we finally get to tell your story. So, why don't we start there? Where, you know, where are you from, Melissa? I'm from Miami. I was actually born in Jersey City, but I grew up in Miami, um, like most Cuban Americans, um, and lived there until I was 18 when I went off to college, to Amherst College, and always came back for vacations and summers, um, but never have lived there again full time after leaving for college. Oh, okay. So that, that's something I, I, I just assumed that you were from New York City. I went to school uh -huh. in Miami, Melissa. Oh, yeah, that's, oh really? That's right. Yes, yeah. UM. Where'd you go? UM. To UM? Oh, yeah, my yes. brother and sister went there. Oh, hurricane! I'm, yeah, hurricane. That yep. I forgot Very about cool. that. Yeah, Class of two thousand and three. Oh, cool! Young kid, you young kids. Aww. Very young. <laughs> well, so so you're Cuban American, uh, mm -hmm. and you know moved to you know moved for college. When did you start? You know, as an entrepreneur. When did I start as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, about well i don't know if i could say halfway there around 2016 i've never left my full-time job um i really was dipping my toe into what i could do to have this company's uh, pirouette where i make dresses for women to make their lives easier and help them go from day to night but i couldn't leave my full-time job plus i had two little kids so i guess i began as a full-fledged entrepreneur once i started investing so much time and money into growing the company and it um, and I guess actually selling once I was actually selling the dresses I guess you could say then I was an entrepreneur and everything up to then was preparing for that oh that's because you come from uh, the law background you you, you were right so I yeah. went to law school went was a lawyer I'm still a lawyer but I don't practice anymore I work as a legal editor I've been with Thomson Reuters for 10 years now um, and because I don't have the billable hour I don't have clients I'm basically editing and publishing and drafting and researching all day it gives me time once my kids are in bed or on weekends and during lunch sometimes to do things I have to do for pirouette Oh wow, that's fantastic! So, so you started this company, Pirouette NYC. Is that Pirouette? So tell us, tell yeah. us about Pirouette because you are sure. teasing it, but our listeners don't know what it is. 
Sure. So the reason I started Pirouette was because I was commuting into New York from Hoboken every day and seeing a lot of other women doing the same thing and seeing women miss out after work when there were things that would pop up that they couldn't go to because they weren't dressed for that specific event or um, those going away drinks and men weren't missing out. And I would see guys just go to the bar or go to the party or go to the dinner and never have to worry about what they were wearing. And even when women did prepare for whatever was happening after work. They had to schlep big bags and to the office and change in the bathroom. And I thought, well, why are we doing this? Why isn't there something that women can wear to work that would still look appropriate when something comes up after work or all of us who don't have time to go back home and change? What if we had something that was still elevated but professional and allowed us to have a more um, seamless day and a more efficient day and a more effective wardrobe and so i had a shirt dress and i've um worn it so many times it was faded but i kept getting complimented on it and i would see my husband's really nice um, dress shirts that he would wear with his suits to work so i thought i should create an elevated version of the shirt dress because what's out there is very casual and made out of very low grade cotton and has a very wide skirt so i started researching fabrics and garment district sample makers since I was working on the east side I would head over to the west side and meet with different fabric reps and little by little I just gather a template and found someone who could make samples and then found someone who could take a small order of a few hundred dresses and make them in different colors and different sizes and that's how I created enough inventory and then had a website built and little by little put together this company and had um, eventually a few years in um, someone from work helped me out um, and joined in as a partner. So then we started doing trunk shows and events and that's how we've built Pirouette. And did you have any experience in clothing design or sewing before you did this? Not myself. I grew up with my grandmother always sewing for us. She did everything from fix our hems and our school uniforms to make from scratch our Halloween costumes. Her little Singer sewing machine was always parked next to her kitchen counter. We spent every day at her house after school. We had dinner there, took showers there, did our homework there. Basically, until my dad could pick us up after work, we were there. So that was part of my life seeing her sewing sometimes she was making us quilts so it was always part of my life seeing someone sewing and knowing that things can be made um very easily is what i thought turns out it's not so easy but my grandmother was a master seamstress and and i grew up seeing that and eventually having to always go to the tailor to get things taken in because i'm very small i'm only five feet um tall and so i just always had someone helping me look better in clothing by fixing it or taking it in or doing something so that it could um, be adjusted to my size. And, and I learned a lot that way. Now I have a very important question about the mm -hmm. Singer sewing machine. Was it mm -hmm. a pedal one or an electric one? Because the one we had in our house was pedal. It had a pedal and it was, I would say, ancient. And I think yes. the only reason it yes. came into her life was it's a whole table. Yeah, it's a whole table, and it's almost like a desk, and yeah. she mm -hmm. could lower the singer down yes. into yes. the desk and close it. It Cast was iron a wooden, size. Yeah, yeah, 
And yep. it was like a wooden desk and it had little drawers where she kept her thread and needles. And um, it was always like a little piece of furniture next to the kitchen counter. Oh, I I, I feel <laughs> teletransported to my she, she, I mean, to my By the childhood. way, you, you can't see Sylvia, but she's making faces. And oh, really? Was, yeah, yeah, she's will, later, yeah. Yeah, if you watch my Instagram live later, you will see the faces that I'm making because you described my mother's my mother's uh, sewing machine that she mm -hmm. got from her grandmother or her wow. I'm guessing yeah so it was one of those ancient mm -hmm. ancient they're ancient. actually really hard to find now yes yeah um, um, yeah they're antiques now yeah. I can't I can't sew yeah. a button but my mother also like I relate a lot to your story I mean mm -hmm. I don't know if you can sew but I cannot maybe I can sew a button but that's about it my mother would do my costumes and hem mm -hmm. things and and mm -hmm. she was yeah. not an expert but she could you know follow patrones and things i'm like ah yeah. i have no idea yeah my my is. grandmother was always buying the patrones and we would go to the fabric store and she would buy fabric and she could basically do anything with any fabric wow. my grandmother could look at a dress in a window and she would do this in cuba she grew up in in, in yeah consi considerable poverty in in cuba and she could eventually um look at a dress in a, in a window and remake it she would just buy the fabric and without a pattern without anything she could just look at the dress and remake the dress she and her sister basically i guess were self-taught um because they they weren't um a family that could afford to send their daughters to, to school there was no like corte and costura classes that they could take mm -hmm. so they basically had to learn how to do this out of necessity and they did and she could make anything and the only reason my grandmother stopped using her singer sewing machine was because of her eyesight oh yeah once yeah. it deteriorated she basically couldn't use it anymore and that was it that was the end of that Well, you can't even thread the needle. Right. You can't see where it's going. Yeah. Right, oh. right. Yeah, but otherwise, I think she would have kept sewing till the day she died. So you had to, like, jump into this with no, you know... No background in fashion. No background right. in yeah. fashion or clothes design or sewing but it's also of your ne own. necessity. But you, you identified this problem that I was also nodding as you were describing... Yep. Especially when you're in a big city like New York, because right. here, for example, here we're in Oregon. I could, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I could put all those extra, those, that extra bag with my change of clothes in the car, so it wouldn't be uh -huh. as much of a hassle. But if mm -hmm. you're in a big city and you're commuting and you have to in carry subway, everything with yeah. exactly. you, exactly, exactly, and you're carrying it all, you're already carrying. The comfortable shoes to walk in, the dress shoes to sit with, and then mm -hmm. the other set of shoes that are for the happy. Like that's a lot of stuff to carry around. And yeah. again, and you men, can't show up. You can't show up to a happy hour or a bar with a giant duffel bag. No, I mean, yeah, you're leaving yeah. stuff at work. If you pass by a lot of women's desks, your cubicles, you'll see like a collection of shoes under their desk and. <laughs> Yeah, it's just something that only women deal with. Um, and also that, that we, we don't have to deal with. It's 2019. Wardrobes should have caught up to a more efficient way of dealing with how we get dressed in the morning. Well, just the fact that men can have, what, three suits, you know, ten ties, and they can rotate, and it's everything yeah. is fine, yep. and nobody notices that they reuse the same suit. Well, and we have to don't. change yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just change our wardrobe the tie, over and over shirt. and over. At least right, the shirt. Exactly. Yeah. It, so, so well, we even the way they're marketed to the way men are marketed to is very different than the way women are marketed to we're told we have to have this dress for date night and this other dress for work and this other set of clothing for the weekend and so we're just basically brainwashed into having 
four or five times the amount of clothing that men have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Which way the window? No, no, three suits. No, I think that's okay. No, that's I don't here. know how no, many you gotta, suits. You get a little bit more <laughs> and more than my, more than two me, shoes. Yeah, but President Obama did say that he had one suit that he would use for all the White House events, and then Michelle Obama had. I don't. She had to have a different. Obviously, she can't a repeat dress. Yeah. Address. She couldn't repeat during dress, eight years right. of presidency. This man used yeah one suit. And he would just change well, his and, shirt and, and his tie. Funny because just recently I saw a post in the fin- I think Financial Times or some in England, like you know one of those princesses. I can't remember. I, I don't follow them, so I don't know their name. But the young one, it's like, oh, she had the audacity to wear the same dress three times. I'm oh. like, and I was like, that was almost scandalous. I was like, why? Uh-huh. I'm sure that that dress is not cheap. No, it's not cheap. So I was like, she wore it three times to public events, and I was like, okay, and that's that's the news. I was like, wow, holy smokes. Yes, but yeah. l- but let's S- hear day. about yes. pirouettes. Anyway. Let's let's continue yeah. talking about pirouettes. Yeah, because I'm in, I'm intrigued. You know how to you know th- thinking how you solve that problem, but which is not only a New York City problem. It's it's a global, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think with the popularity of Marie Kondo and people trying to streamline their lives, we look at our closets and we want to have pieces that do more than one thing. We don't want to have you know just things that are for one occasion. And so I thought. After asking a few people, you know, does this have legs? And people did want something. And there was a focus on having a high quality piece and having Can a I make way a joke? to buy. It's, yeah, a, sure. it's a dress, so it has no legs. Oh. I'm kidding. Okay. Wow. That uh, that's bad. an engineer joke. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Keep going. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't see it as a New York City problem. It's just I happened to be in New York City, so maybe it was pronounced there. Um, and because I was in New York City, I could solve the problem, I think. I was going to say more easily than if I were in like, I don't know, North Dakota or um, the middle of Georgia, right? Because you have access to the garment district and you have access to people who work as fashion designers and can help you find a pattern maker and a tech pack maker and all these different people that can help you execute your idea when you don't have any uh, formal training in fashion design. And so I was able to just go across town and meet with these people in the garment district and make it right back to work um, before my lunchtime had ended. I think you bring up some excellent points. I just have to explain a little bit who Marie Kondo is because as soon as you mentioned her, Edgar gave me this look like, who? Marie Wait, Kondo. no. Yes. Marie, Why? I think she's, she's well, no, more popular among women, I would say. But she's oh, that's a true. That's Japanese, true. Since, I mean, she's a Japanese celebrity. She's a professional organizer. Mm-hmm. that started this whole movement called Con Marie. And mm-hmm. she describes, um, she has a whole method of how you get rid of things that you do not want or you do not use. And it's all about keeping things beautiful and really only keeping things that bring you joy and mm-hmm. not hoarding things. Mm-hmm. And so she has a very famous book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out several years ago. Now she has a series on Netflix and she mm-hmm. goes through different families and helps them get rid of everything that they don't need and simplify mm-hmm. what they have, not just their closets, but just everything in their house. And mm-hmm. I think it goes along with what Mer- Melissa was describing, not only a New York City problem, but also our living spaces are getting smaller. So we have right. smaller closets. We're also yeah. starting to become a little bit more conscious about not having as many things or buying things that are a little bit higher quality that are la- going to last us longer, 
that can be combined with other pieces. So we don't have, like Melissa said, you know, 300 garments. Mm -hmm. We can have, you know, 50 multi-purpose garments that we combine to make different outfits. And we're a little bit more conscious about the environment and the costs and the amount of space that we have. Because now previously, remember, we had... Exactly. uh, You know where I'm going. I can't remember her name now. Oh, my gosh. She's also from New York City. Also from New York City, from New York Fashion Lab. Uh, Oh, my gosh. We're spacing out on the name. Spacing out on the name. She explained to us how much waste exists and and how how much water goes into producing a garment and how much... uh, how many garments are thrown away? Uh, and incinerated into, in a lot and of cases. Incinerated, yes, because they or they are dumped. So the textile industry is one of the most, if not the most, wasteful and envir- environmentally de- detrimental in the world. So you know, not knowing this, it's like, yeah, if we can be more conscientious about not changing buying shoes every year or every season. There's now a concept, for example, of your capsule wardrobe where you you buy what I was saying. Mm-hmm. like a smaller number of pieces that you can combine especially with uh, neutral colors things that go well together and you can create you know multiple 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 different outfits with the same pieces so you still have options and flexibility but you don't need to buy 300 different things and maybe you just focus on getting signature accessories as your standout pieces Okay. So Melissa, keep keep yeah, keep the, telling us the one way the one way to pull that off. If you're going to say I'm going to have a smaller wardrobe and I'm going to have things that I don't have to constantly replace, is to buy classic, well-made pieces, right? So that's two things that go into that equation. They have to have this timeless look. It has to be non-trendy. It has to be something that if you're photographed in, you couldn't date the picture. It has to be something that you want to wear across hopefully different seasons and different years, but that it also has to be made from a very high grade fabric. You can't expect to get that kind of clothing or that kind of amount of wear Mm -hmm. if you're just shopping at H&M or any type of fast fashion, right? And so that elevates the price um, of the item and it requires a shift in mindset. Maybe you're not going to have 10 cute tops for when you go out. Maybe you're going to have four, but they're all really versatile you can wear them different ways you can dress them up you can dress them down you can wear them with jeans you can wear them with a fancy leather skirt and you're going to accessorize different ways and that's how you're going to get more out of these multi-use pieces and that was always my goal with pirouette let me find a way to make an elevated dress that women of different sizes and different shapes and um, different geography want to wear because it's classic and everyone will look good in it and so that required a lot of testing with friends and not just relying on the fit model to get the right cut and to get the right sizing so so is that um is this a, a safe assumption to say that you want to you want to disrupt the fashion industry but to the core where we say like you know instead of buying every season or you know there's right. two seasons in fashion you know, fall spring summer winter mm-hmm. or, or whatever instead of mm-hmm. doing that oh, because i used to work in a parent well uh I had clients in apparel oh. many years ago. Mm-hmm. So. Making bases at him. Yeah. No, no, because I'm into, but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the things like, why do we have to, you know, do all this? And I have friends that are into the sneakers and like, <coughs> sorry, by the way, my super comfy shoes made in beaver. <laughs> the, the, you know, somebody made, oh, those are like, uh, 
two uh, last year model or like two years like and they're super mm-hmm. comfy. I mean, I'm not looking at. I don't even know if they were. You know, I can't identify. You know, this year sneakers apparently people do. Um, <laughs> but I just buy them from comfort and functionality. So like, you know, right? Yeah, we don't do that when we look at jeans. You buy a well-fitting pair of jeans and you wear the hell out of them, right? Yeah. Um, and some people will turn them into shorts if they don't want to wear them with holes in them. But if we have that same approach for what we're wearing to work, then that's consistent with the modern way of thinking when we approach how we live in terms of how we're dressing, how we're eating, how we're commuting. A lot of people, especially millennials and younger, are greening their life. And this is part of that. This is a way of saying you can have great pieces. You can have pieces you want to wear. Um, Think about where are they being made? How are they being made? And whether you'll still want to wear them next year. Okay. And and in that question, where are your clothes? I mean, are you guys uh, manufacturing the clothing or sub? Yep. Okay. No, no, no. All ourselves, all in the garment district in New York. And we had one contractor in Brooklyn. Um, We're looking at another company called The Good Company in Fall River, Massachusetts, now that I'm based here. But all of the pieces we have right now that we sell on the site were all made in um, either New York's garment district or an offshoot in Brooklyn. So probably made in the U.S. of A. Uh, everything made in New York so far. Awesome. Yeah, that, yep. that's that's fantastic. And and I like that narrative, you know, you being less wasteful. Uh yep. something that you could use for many, many years as you grow. You were mentioning millennials, they'll eventually grow mm-hmm. up um uh, <laughs> and, and then you know become young parents if, if mm-hmm. I mean some of them are already. But that's something already, that you yeah. will keep using as you you know, as you progress in life. Exactly. Exactly. And that's our goal. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing that women want. They want pieces that they don't have to keep replacing and that they always look good. In. And that's how we've gotten a good amount of our sales. Someone will see someone in the dress and ask, well, where'd you get that? And then they'll pass along the website. And then that's how we'll get orders from people that we're not connected to. Ah, interesting. Well, mm-hmm. okay, okay, let, let's make a little pause, you know, talking about bills and, and, and paying here. We, we, we have an ad and we'll be back in about 20 seconds. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionist. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Sylvia and Edgar send you and you get a $150 credit. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. We're back. So we're talking about fashion, garments, and disrupting the, the industry, and maybe, you know, the way we shop. Um, but Melissa, so how do you guys start a company uh, f- financially? Now that we're talking in the, in the numbers, uh, have you guys raised capital or has it been all? We haven't. We've been 100% bootstrapped. We haven't raised capital. We hope to next year. We're changing the website right now to make it more convertible. Um, but little by little, my, that's why I haven't left the day job is because it helps fund the startup. So um, my partner and I, Kate Bally, um, have been funneling our own money to do everything from advertise on Facebook to 
paying social media people to buying fabric to paying the manufacturers all ourselves okay. how, how did you find your co-founder We've been working together actually for a long time at Thomson Reuters um, and she okay. had asked me if she could help and um, she was a good friend and still is and um, basically she wanted to help out and so eventually she wanted to help out more and more so then we ended up um, reincorporating as a partnership. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. it's pretty organic. Yep, pretty organic. And right now it's just the two the, the two of you or did you yep, get some? Yep, just okay. the two of us. Yeah, we hired a production manager um, a while back uh, to help us out when we were manufacturing more heavily, um, Nadia Spencer, who I met through a friend from law school. Um, so it was really just through talking to different people that I was doing this, that people started sending me their recommendations. Okay. Wow. So, so it's all been organic, 100% founder-led, mm -hmm. you know, female founder-led. Yep. Uh, have you done any collaborations with other startups or other female founders? We have. We had a pop-up in Connecticut a few months ago um, with another female founder who has a line of shoes who um, thought about how women want to wear nude shoes. It's very elongating when you wear a shoe that's pretty much the color of your skin. And you're always hearing about how you should do that. But most nude shoes only come in like very light beige shades that only work for White lighter women. white women yeah uh -huh. so then her idea was what if we had um, a variety of colors of nude shoes so whether you're tanned or brown or black or any of the many shades um, you could wear a nude shoe in, in, in the sense of it's the same color as your skin and it's just as flattering and so we did one collab with her in Connecticut I'm trying to remember the name of the brand so I can um, send it to you um, and then we did another collab with um, another brand here in Boston that had a New York, sorry, that had a, a Newberry Street pop-up. Um, and we were selling our clothing um, in her store for um, a little bit with Nora Gardner. Oh, no. But that's okay. the extent, yeah. I think it was, I'm just trying to find out the name of the shoe brand so I can give her a proper shout out. You mentioned earlier that a lot of your customers Rebecca are coming. Allen. Oh, okay, we're going to write it down. You yeah, mentioned Rebecca that a Allen. lot of your... Um, that some of your customers are coming from from other, you know, from let's call them brand ambassadors, people that are wearing your your garments mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. get asked about it. Uh, right. Do you know how percentage wise how successful your your brand ambassadors have hmm. been? I, I, in, in I don't. Traffic? I haven't. I haven't tracked. I haven't tracked the data in terms of how many of them have sent people to buy from our site. I, I know it's minimal in that it's less than like a quarter of the sales. Uh, most of the sales have come through people we know um, directly or it's a friend of a friend. Um, but eventually as we grow, I hope to have more of that data and to be able to use it all. We, we always hear of things we should be doing um, as a startup to grow, but because we both have full-time jobs and kids, it's hard to take advantage of all these um technologies and modern ways of running a business um, because we're so time-strapped. Oh, Melissa, don't worry. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> we all get so... I mean, it's just like parenting. Everybody has advice for you and you can't yeah. listen to all of them and you gotta just listen to whatever you can do and whatever works for you. So, and whatever Well, sometimes right, yeah. I feel lucky. Yeah, sometimes I feel lucky to even find out about it. Like, oh, there's this thing called Clavio. Oh, there's this thing called Bolt. You can have a subscription on your service. I'm like, great. The only reason I found that out was 
through some totally random article um, or because I heard it on a glossy podcast or loose threads podcast or something that I'm listening to in the shower because it's the only time I can access that type of content. But um, hopefully we can eventually um, have someone help out with that or have a CMO and help, you know, have someone that's dedicated to doing what every well-funded startup should be doing in terms of marketing and outreach. Okay. But, but you know, e e even right now, the mention, I, 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 the reason I was mentioning the collapse, I think we can help out with a couple of uh, past guests. Oh, gonna, cool. That, that's part of the purpose of what we're doing here, you know, try to connect the dots, connect people, uh -huh. amazing people, Latino founders. Right. Uh, and Latino and Latino or Latinx, or whatever is the mm -hmm. flavor. But mm -hmm. um, I have a couple in mind, so we're going to, you know, we're going to do some research and just send an email so, so you guys can collaborate and, and get, you know, either you know, partnerships or mentorship because mm -hmm. there's been some amazing people coming here in the studio, you know, on the, on mm -hmm. the, joining us, telling us mm -hmm. the story of how they scale their startup. So it, it, there's mm -hmm. always a lesson to learn and, you know, and everybody's willing to lend a hand. Yes. Yes. And um, that's what I've loved about at least part of this experience because it can be very exhausting and, and heartbreaking sometimes when you feel like you don't know what you're doing or you've invested all this money, but then you get to meet all these other people who give you momentum and encouragement and connect you to the right people. And um, that's been um, something that I feel is um, invaluable, connecting with people who want to help other Latinas or just help other female founders or just help other entrepreneurs. No, absolutely. And, and it's a lonely road. I mean, we acknowledge that. Yes. It's a very lonely road. And it's very, mm -hmm. not just lonely, but roller coaster yes. lonely. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Once I accepted that it would be a roller coaster, I just felt calmer. So whenever there's a high, I know there's a low coming. Whenever there's a low, I know there's a high coming. And that makes it feel less erratic and anxiety inducing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't thought about that that way. Yeah. yeah, there's highs, there's lows, and you know they come in different frequencies. Yeah, and it could be seductive to <clears throat> feel yeah. like it's always going to be great when it is great, no. and and also when it's low, it feels like there's never going to be a turnaround, and so you have to just accept that this is how it's going to be for a while, and and expect the opposite when you're experiencing one or the other. I've I've shared before in the podcast that sometimes I feel like the universe sends me a little lifeline when I'm like mm -hmm. super low mm -hmm. that I'm quite, and I'm sure you experience it as well, that we are questioning what the heck we're doing with our lives in this entrepreneurial mm -hmm. roller coaster, lonely road. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you get something, either a message or a comment or mm -hmm. somebody tells you how much you're helping them with, you know, what you're doing. And it right. gives you a little bit of that, push that you need to go back up on the exactly. uphill of the of the roller coaster and it gives you some some life for I mean we know this like we were just saying the intervals are, are different so it could give you a little life for a couple hours a couple days a couple weeks that you're like okay right. we're high and then we know like you said that it's going to go back down at one point but it's I think maybe as as you get more and more and more into this journey and Edgar can mm -hmm. can speak more because he's been in this longer than I have but the the peaks and the valleys are not as extreme or you don't experience oh, those no, they those are. <laughs> are they still oh yeah. yeah yeah the lows are still as low oh they can be blows that you know okay. especially I was like trying like, to get some <laughs> like Melissa no I'm not gonna I'm, no no I, mean, no, I, know, I don't want you to sugarcoat it I was just saying oh yeah I mean we, we've been like 
oh, we're going to kill, we got this, and then something, out of, number one, that's out of your control, mm-hmm. They've, it, which is the worst part, especially for control freaks. Yeah. And like, like, you right. can't do anything about it. That's the worst part. So that's the worst feeling. Like, God, I mean, you know, we were going this way, and mm-hmm. something gets thrown out at you, and you, you, there's nothing you can do about it because it's not a variable that you control. So that's mm-hmm. just just debilitating. It's like, oh my god! And, and those are the days when you're like, what am I doing here? I've yeah. noticed that on those days, I become more of a control freak on the things that I can control in an in an unhealthy OCD way it that is. I try to like yes. over control other things because yeah. it's. Oh, I, it's, I, I, it's, I do that mistake over and over yeah. because it, it's something that like no, I have to. I know it's on, not on my control, but I'm. You will see, Alfie, and you can. And that's debilitating for you mentally and yeah, things that healthy. we don't talk not not healthy not at all. Mm-hmm. So I know it, it it still happened. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for people to hear that this is something that's normal and it's not because they screwed up in some you know avoidable way. It's just something that happens when you're starting a company in a new space or when you're doing something that you know hundreds of people haven't done before you. So you can't just follow their formula or their template. This is just how it works and also the way social media is changing the way people shop and market it's just going to be up and down for a while yeah. what what are some of the hiccups that you've experienced with pirouette Oof, where to start um missed deadlines so a manufacturer says this amount of dresses will be done by this date and no they're not done and they won't be done anytime soon and he has to extend it by a long time and so we won't have the inventory by the time we thought we had the inventory um what else um having a trunk show and having tons of people who rsvp not show up because things happen and Mm -hmm. they just couldn't make it so you have much lower attendance than you thought you were going to have um those are some hiccups those are perfect Um, examples that we've actually covered here on the show yeah and we've we've discussed yeah previously i mean the the example that you gave about the the wardrobe or like the garments not being ready. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Edgar was saying. It's out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can, right. I, that it, it must be, obviously it's incredibly frustrating. And right. the RSVP to trunk shows brought up a recent, a relatively recent um, Twitter thread that I think both Edgar and I were included in from a local entrepreneur here in, in Portland who put out this event, got a bunch of RSVPs and then, People either didn't show up or just canceled at the last minute. And it's Mm -hmm. something that I see happening more and more. There is a podcast. I believe it was from NPR's Note to Self. It's relatively an old podcast with a, I think she's a psychologist or a person that studies Mm -hmm. this. And it's this whole FOMO culture that people RSVP, yes, because they don't want to miss out. And then they realize they can't make it they just can't make it but they they cannot make that that split decision when the invitation arrives to just say no i'm not gonna go Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not saying that i know how to solve this i'm saying i empathize with your frustration because it Mm -hmm. drives me bananas i was gonna say something worse (laughs) but yes crazy or 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 the other case too that that you know so uh Case in point, right? This weekend we have the startup weekend Latino here in Portland, and oh, we cool. know there's a lot. I mean, we put this. This is the fifth year, and every year happens the same. You know that we obviously we cater the event, so it's a whole weekend where we it's free. We provide all mm-hmm. the meals, and we have to have an exact headcount 
because we're if we're providing meals, you know, for the whole weekend, food, yeah, yeah, we need to know how many. So you know, I think so far like thirty five people register, and mm-hmm. we know that there's always latecomers. So you know, it's the other frustrating part. And then you get fifty people, and you're like, uh, we only have food for thirty five. So that's what people oh, don't wow. realize about showing up to an event. It's like, well, I may, I may not RSVP, or maybe I do, and then I mm-hmm. don't show up, and then you get all this food left over. So oh, that, wow. that's a big problem for, or, or you're missing or food. Or you don't have food. Or you don't have you, enough they food. They have to share. Split the sandwich and... Yeah, or the pizzas make the slices yeah. thinner. So that's, <laughs> it, but it is yeah, a Yeah, emergency problem. catering. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's out of your control. There's nothing or you can do. Or tell the ones that are RSVP'd, please bring some snacks because there, there might be some uh, crashing... <laughs> some some party crashers. Well, but but you know, you, 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 I don't know how. To. Yeah, it, it's incredibly frustrating that it is a problem that we see recurring everywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in our personal lives, in our professional lives, and we can't solve it. And you would think, I mean, people used to take RSVP very seriously. Yeah. Exactly. And it was either you yeah. go or you don't. Period. Because as an event, I think more as an event organizer, you understand. But if you are not a person that is constantly organizing those events, you or, don't. You don't care. You're just like, eh, whatever. Especially if the event is free, then right. Yes. They just right. There, there's That's no why commitment. It's good to charge a nominal. Right. It's good to. I mean, I couldn't do that for a trunk show, but it's good to charge a nominal when it's an event like the one you're describing, just so that they have some skin in the game or they feel some commitment. Like, Absolutely. okay, because I paid ten bucks. Uh, have a this mental, you know, requirement. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna add myself to those mm-hmm. annoying list of people that give you ideas that you haven't asked for. But what if you, <laughs> if what if you made it, uh, if you charged, but you use that money as a discount for the dress? So like they just prepay a little bit or. Well, we we yeah, we do provide a discount for the dress um, for anyone who attends a trunk show because you're already saving us the shipping costs um, okay. from being there, and you're giving us feedback. So we love that we can meet the customer and and get that feedback while she's trying on the dress, or also hearing what else she wants. They they want to say, "I love this dress in black. Will you please come out with it?" And and then they'll name whatever color. Um, so it's invaluable to us to be in the trunk show. So we're already getting a lot out of it. But I couldn't charge someone to be a, at a trunk show where they're going to be there to shop because it's just not something that would encourage anybody to attend it would discourage attendance um okay yeah Yeah. but there are events where you can collab with a bunch of other brands and make it a proper event with gift bags and swag and that you can charge for they're going more to a they're not just going to a trunk show in that case there'll be a panel of speakers they're getting something out of it and then you can charge yeah 10 bucks or something and then say everybody gets one bar drink or something or there's going to be past hors d'oeuvres or something there you can charge and still sell your product but you have to provide something more than just an opportunity to shop a dress that's already available online why are you going to pay Correct, for shopping yeah. if you just go online and shop for it? Yeah. Well, because everybody wants stuff now. It, the immediate gratification. If I paid you $15 and I show up at your thing and you have it there, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to show to it up because yeah. I already paid the $15 or 20 or 25 and I take it. I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't just an, I'm a crazy idea. Out of this because I, don't know I just want to help pattern. you get yeah. people in your trunk shows and not ghost you. That's. Th- yeah. My, I, I go into like problem solving mode and I'm like, oh, what if we did this? Yeah. Yeah. That, so yeah. I, that I don't know because it's, it's, it's very tricky. I mean, we see it here, you know, we put on a bunch of events and people show up. I know who we can ask. Who? Maria. Salamanca. No, 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 no. Maria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Que yeah, está yeah. haciendo pop-ups. The one she's That's doing right. pop-ups with her sister. Yes. And she's getting like all these people. We can ask her if there's any, you know. 
feedback and ideas or things that she's yeah. doing to get a lot mm-hmm. of traffic to her trunk shows. Okay. Or her mm-hmm. not she's not doing trunk shows, excuse me. She's doing pop ups. But pop-ups, I, yeah. I'm guessing it would be kinda like the same people. Yeah. Unless yeah, Melissa yeah. wants to completely <laughs> correct me and she's like, Sylvia, those are two different people. Um But it's a it's a good conversation started. Yeah. A, pre- yeah. a previous get so that's mm-hmm. that's gonna be See, Sylvia's job. Again, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to connect with her. Thank you. So we're taking notes. Yeah, um, that's me but writing. What, what, so, w- w- Melissa, so w- what else can you tell us about period? So um, we know it, it, it's a problem solving. Go- going forward, how do you scale mm-hmm. the solution? How do you? What are your plans to make it? You know, go mainstream. Uh, is, is that just U.S. only, New York only? What What are your plans for expansion? What would, you know, having the funds, how, how can you see this grow? Right. We Well, we need a huge marketing push. We need to make it something that is coming up on your feed if it's relevant to you. If you're on Instagram and you want to see dresses with pockets or you want to see dresses with sleeves or you want to see dresses that you could wear day and night, we should be popping up in front of you on Facebook and, and Instagram. So now when the new site goes live, that will be our next step to have a massive marketing push. And then we need to look at whether we should be in stores. I've always avoided being in stores because then you have tension between the store price and your mm-hmm. website price. We'd have to yeah. elevate the website price to reflect the in-store price. Um, the whole point of being direct to consumer is that you don't have to add that markup that stores add yeah. when you buy a dress or a pair of shoes and in, in fashion it's normally yeah. 2.2 x um so 2.2 times the wholesale the wholesale was already above um what it cost to make the piece by a significant margin um so we want to keep the price as low as possible so that we can help as many women as possible that's a big mission here it wasn't like how do i find a way to make money it was like how do i find a way to help women not have this problem in their lives. We deserve this. And so, of course, it's not a charity, so I do have to have some level of a markup, but nowhere near the markup I'd have to have if we were also in stores and having a website price that's the same as the store price because then the store owners are going to complain, well, people are shopping while they're on their phones. They're going to see the brand, go on the website and say, oh, I'll just buy it online. And, you know, you have free shipping both ways, so I'm not even going to try it on the store. If I do try it on the store, I'm just using the store as... um, a gallery, like how people yeah. go to Best Buy and check out the electronics and then go on Amazon, right? Yeah. You stole the words right out of yeah. my mouth because that's exactly, exactly what so, I was going to say. Right. But but there is you know some value to figuring out beyond DTC, how do we get in front of people? And we're seeing other brands that started as DTC eventually go into stores or start their own stores or have extended pop-ups, like six-month-long pop-ups. So that's down the line. I think the next step is to get funding once we can show that we have more traction on the website after we have more marketing. Um, we've partnered with Honor Code Creative. It's also a female-founded branding agency in Boston. They've helped a lot with creating our new not messaging so much, but the way we're positioning the messaging and the way we're showing the content on the website. Um, That should go live hopefully by next week. Um, So that way the website is more aligned with the quality of the clothing because so much of it is people understanding the branding and the marketing when they visit your site for the first time or visit your Instagram feed for the first time. Yeah. So yeah, to, to scale it, we would then have to have much more production. And I hope what I could do is highlight the scarcity in some way. So people understand when you're buying a dress from Pirouette, you're not buying one of a thousand dresses. You're buying maybe one of a hundred dresses or one of 200 dresses. We have very small batch production since we're producing in the U S 
very expensive to produce in the U.S. compared to, say, China or Mexico. Um, so if we're going to offer that, that should be something that you know. It's not like buying something from the Gap and then you show up somewhere and, the, you know, two other people are wearing the same sweater you're wearing. So you should have that and know that and know that that's factored into the price of the dress. Yeah. Um, and so if we can highlight scarcity, similar to what Supreme has done where they have drops, hopefully we can do that, or what M. Jemmy has done where there's a certain day every month where we can drop a new, not dress design, but a variation on our shirt dress design. Um, some people have said, I love this shirt dress. I want it sleeveless because I'm in Miami. Or I love this shirt dress. I want it in a different fabric or I want it longer. So if we can have variations on our classic template of a pencil skirt shirt dress and an A-line shirt dress and come out with that same idea with variations in color and fabric type, maybe in length, then we can offer that as another value add and hopefully scale that way um, and then see if we should be producing in other places. Um, we have to maybe talk to VCs and talk to more companies to see where mm. else we could be producing in the States. Wow. I don't know that that's... Uh one of the things that I you just touched you know, about, about the gap, you know, what would you do, for example, if, if one of these giant you know, H&M gap What would they, mm. what if they bring mass market and copy one of your designs, which they have that tendency to do? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the only thing I can do is leverage it. I would put it all over my social and say, you know, oh, shirt dresses, look how great, like different ways to wear a shirt dress. Um, and it's not like I've been reinvented the wheel here, but I have developed a shirt dress that has a kick pleat in the back. That's how mm -hmm. it allows for a very narrow pencil skirt. I don't know anyone else who's done that, but I guess if someone copied that, um, I'll, I would see what I could do legally. There's really not much copyright um, within fashion. Everything is considered an inspiration that I inspires yeah. something else, you know, so it's really hard um, to do that unless you can say it's confusingly similar and looks almost exactly the same. Um, but It's, it's not um, something that I could just go after someone legally. So I think the most I could do is leverage it and say, you know, look, shirt dresses are trending. Meghan Markle's wearing shirt dresses. Yeah. Here are some shirt dresses you might like. I'm getting some interesting questions here in the Instagram live. Melissa, cool. have you heard of something called Flying Solo in New York City? No, Flying Solo. Uh, so I'm going to connect you with this person who's giving... Like, she's very uh -huh. interested in what you're saying, and she's also okay. going to be invited to our podcast, by the way, because she's Latina. Okay. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Right? Lumesh TV, we're talking about you. But she's saying that it's a new concept that features uh, different up-and-coming designers, and so there's no sales associates, and the designers oh, okay. go and sell their own stuff to the clients. And then you get directly to the clients get to meet mm -hmm. the designers directly, and oh, it's more so cool. personable. I think it, it continues this trend that we're seeing that people want to know exactly who they're buying who from. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, and it you serves you perfectly because you want to know who's buying your clothes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to connect you. And and can, can you make a note? Because I don't have uh, make fashion next here in Portland. It just passed. But um, it, it's about the same concept, you know, just local. Well, you're not local, but... Uh, You know, it's just the designers that can come up and come, you know, up and coming, show their lines, etc. And and it's every November, October or November in Portland, and it's getting bigger and bigger. With what know, is it called again? Fashion Next NXT. Fashion Next, okay. Yeah, and NXT. I, I know okay. NXT. Yeah. Is there two N's? Fashion. No. So so Fashion NXT. NXT. Yeah. And I'll connect because yeah, you know, I I know the guy who puts it together. Tito. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, so that, that might be a good, a good platform as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lumash TV okay. saying that she's going to introduce you to the owners of of Flying Solo in New York City. Yes. This is amazing. Fabulous. Yeah, oh, very wicky. Wonderful. Love it. You guys this obviously a have a very big impact across the country. You're in Portland and you're getting info from New Yorkers. Yes. I... Love it. I, I love this is what we do. Um, and, you know, we may be connected with Jen Morilla, fantastic uh, oh, you know, yeah. New York City Jen. influencer. Yes, yes. Um, so that's another one that I uh, I want to put together. I think it's okay. very important right now that we mention how people can find you. Yes, by yeah. the way. You mentioned Instagram, so give us your handle, please, because I'm going to follow you sure. right now. So thank you. So our handle is at pirouette underscore NYC. So that's P-I-R-O-U-E. T-T-E underscore N-Y-C. Perfect. And what's your website? And our website is, all one word, pirouettenyc.com. Okay. I'm so trying I'm, to think of a, an excuse to buy this shirt dress because I don't go to a normal office, but I, I can mm-hmm. come up with something. I'm very intrigued by this. Well, separate I, from the shirt dress, we have a little black dress that might work with your lifestyle better. It's um, the perfect little black dress because it has this invisible zipper over the left knee. So when it's closed, it's perfect for day. But then at night, you can lift that zipper and then you have like this very cool, discreet flash of skin just over the left leg. And then it comes with a removable silk top in different colors. So you can wear Ooh. it with the top during the day. You could go to work. You could go to meetings. You could wear it with a blazer. You could wear it on your own. I've seen some people do that. Um, but once you remove that silk top, then you're in your little black dress and you're ready to go out at night interesting okay my little yes. back dress the zipper's never gonna go up because i'm pale as a ghost but um <laughs> i'm gonna leave it there uh edgar anything else you want to add no that's it i mean Joe, you know we know where to find you uh so we're gonna make we a have some homework yeah, so, yeah, we have some notes right to here to make some some interest for you and hopefully we can get to, to, to have you you know maybe in a year to give us an update uh, we always love to, to, to have you know our guests back and tell you know what's what has happened you know where where are they doing and and yeah thank you so much Melissa for, for it's been an yeah. amazing yes conversation I loved having thank you on the you show thank you so much and let's I keep it going speaking with you both yes thank you so much and if any of your prior or future guests um, want to chat I'm happy to help anyone out or send them intros or links or whatever they can eat. I'm always happy to help other entrepreneurs and people with startups. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Happy Friday, thank everyone. Thank you. Yes, have founder. a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Bye, Sylvia. Bye. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. They offer comprehensive PR services, and Publicize becomes a member of your team and can promote multiple PR announcements monthly. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Sylvia and Edgar sent you. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 